All right, everyone, it is time for Left and Right Wing. Same bird. This is hopefully your no-spin zone for political uh, opinions. Joining me, I have Rick. Rick, how are you? Great. And Raul. Raul, how are you doing? Better than most, not as good as some. <laughs> love that, love that. All right, today we wanted to talk about the stimulus bill. You know, that stimulus bill. So first, uh, prior to the show, Rick and I were discussing that there was a Facebook post going around that was saying all this money is being sent to foreign nations. Rick, would you expand on that for us, please? Yeah, some of the memes are mixing up which bill those monies are coming from. And that's why Facebook is like, quote, fact checking on some of these. <laughs> Because the omnibus, uh, the bill, the, the big spending bill, the, the military one and that included certain amounts of pork. And then there's other pork that was in the stimulus bill. And then, so in their opinion, if you're attributing the pork to the wrong bill, you're not telling the truth. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they must fact check you. So the Kennedy Center didn't get its money from the same bill that is, quote, stimulus. They got it from the other bill. Ah, nice. We know that they need it since, you know, nobody's going there to watch anything right now. They got to pay that security guard. Uh, so, uh, Raul, did you run into any misinformation as it as it's quoted on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I pretty much ignore Facebook. Uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Smart man. Uh, let's go through some of these that are actually according. Well, let me preface that according to the New York Times or New York Post, uh, some of the stuff that's actually in there, uh, okay. four, four billion for New York's MTA. So to bail out the mass transit system, the federal government should not be bailing out anything that's a city or a state thing. Period. That's it. That's my answer to every one of those. That yeah, th th <laughs> actually, I was going to say exactly the same thing. The Fed has no business bailing out cities or states. And the truth is, I would argue that uh, they have no business bailing out uh, uh, companies either. So I agree. So where do we get these bailouts from? If you if you really distill this down, is is it you lobbied for me at one point or you shield for votes for me at one point? So here's some payback. What is your take? Let's start with Raul this time. I think part of it is lobbying, uh, as you suggest, but I also think a part of it is that we see a society that's been groomed to rely on uh, mommy and daddy, uh, Nancy and uh, Mitch. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's a perversion of uh, what federalism is supposed to be. Rick, what's your take on this? Um, my take in like why they're why they're able to do it or why they want to do it. Why do they want to do it? Why, <laughs> why, why are they, they doling do out that I, money? I think oh. I, I think that it's you know it's a form of buying a vote. Like people yep. think that you got a check from me now you're going to vote for me whenever the next election comes around. And part of it is trying to cater to people. All these people that are crying and whining about things. I just don't believe that the, it's the government's job to take care of you, period. I'm I'm very against almost all government spending, especially in those areas of doing stuff like this. So, like, to me, 
just on principle, I would say there should be no such thing. But since you've gone and passed it, I'll comment on it. Yeah. And, you know, you go and read the anti-federalist papers. This is what they were part of what they were worried about, at least. Exactly. I mean, when when we moved the votes closer to the control of the individual and every individual, the more power we give to people to just vote themselves whatever largesse they want, you know, and, that's and the way I look at it. So let me pose this to both of you then. So what should the government do in situations like these where we could say this is like a crisis, whether you believe it is self-inflicted mm-hmm. or not? You know, I'll let you decide on that. But <laughs> when there is a crisis, air quotes, what should the government's role be in that, Rick? Uh, I think the government's role, if it takes any, should start at the bottom and work its way up. It should not come from the federal government at all. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way for the government to help people would be lifting restrictions that they've put in place that make it harder for charities and churches to help people that are in need. Uh, Instead of the government manipulating and and micromanaging all these situations, making it more costly and less easy to do something, uh, lift that stuff and allow the the groups that already work with helping people that have a need to to work with those people better. Raul? You know, there's an old saying, charity begins at home. I'm not talking about it from the context of the individual case, but local management of these crises, you know, where, where we've had the successes, uh, whether you want to consider it contrived or not, uh, as far as the crisis is concerned, where we've had the actual successes in managing it and dealing with it and helping people, it's been at the local level. You, you go back through emergency and crisis, all, you know, back all through, it's at the local level. Uh, go back to the Northridge earthquake, the big disaster that I had, you know, firsthand personal experience. Where was the best management of it? It was at the local level. Uh, it's people, individuals, communities getting off their duffs and helping each other. When you have a federal system that takes the place of the local community, uh, you get horrendous mismanagement, first of all, just be, just from the sheer size of the beast that's grown into. Um, But you also end up with things like, okay, why am I sitting here in Southern Illinois paying for New York's screw ups? Mm -hmm. Um, It, it, you're you're not, you're just getting from a purely practical perspective, you're you're getting poor performance from a moral perspective. You've got, like I said, you've got Illinois, you know, people from Illinois are people who, across the river, my coworkers are across the river in Missouri. Uh, what the hell does Chicago have expecting Missouri to cover their bad policy? Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm frankly, as soon as my son graduates, bye-bye Illinois. Uh, the, I, I, I've heard the argument, well, someone's got to take care of you. Well, you know what? I, can, I will count on good people. I will count on moral people. Far sooner than I'll count on, than I want to count on uh, the government. That they've, people have been much more reliable and much more consistent and much less corrupt than anything I've seen out of uh, Washington, D.C. 
Let's uh, pencil down a little further down this bill, even though I already know your responses will be. Let's just press through a little bit more. But $15 billion earmarked towards grant programs for live entertainment venues such as Broadway. $15 billion. Does that sound like a 9 to 12 month, uh, you know, shutdown, Rick? Well, there, there's two different answers to that. One is whether <laughs> the government should be giving money to that at all anyway, which I say no. And the second is, why is it part of the stimulus bill? What what does that have to do what is with it stimulating? What does it have to do with the pandemic? Yeah. What is it stimulating? I mean, if, if those places are closed because of the shutdown and, and people can't, they don't even have customers for whatever it is they normally do. Uh, the only way that would make any sense is if it was some of this money that's supposed to be to like pay the people who aren't working. But that doesn't have to be a separate category for people doing only those jobs. That could be anybody and everybody who's out of work. Rick, that's welfare, though. That's not stimulus. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah, it's not stimulus. $7 billion towards broadband access, expanding broadband access. What does that have to do with a pandemic? I can make an argument for that one slightly. Yeah, it's infrastructure. It's interstate Mm -hmm. infrastructure. And I'm betting that's where you're going to go, Rick. Well, I would say if you're having closed schools or closed government offices and some of the people who could work from home have infrastructure reasons why it's a problem, then improving that is legitimate. Uh Because that also has a long-term effect. That is not just a temporary thing. That'll be an improvement that will still benefit from after the pandemic is over. So I'm okay with that. But it sounds like you're almost preparing for another event as opposed to let's get people through this event. No, no. Hmm. This is something like the interstate system. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yep. The digital highway. All right. Yep. Uh-huh. Because it, it, it is where the future is headed with digital things. Both my grandsons had uh, Chromebooks and were already doing school homework assignments after school at my house for the last couple of years before this happened. So now having to do almost all of their classes that way, uh, it's, a, it's a little burden on the system when all of a sudden everybody has to do that all the time. But, you know, so I can see, you know, repairing that. I, I think the best thing about it, if we could, would be to to get rid of some of the teachers that we don't really need. If you can teach online, there's no limit to your classroom. You don't need to worry about having uh, 12 kids per teacher. Oh, I got a bunch of friends that are teachers. They're they're just rolled over right so there. Is my wife. Oh no. Hey. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to disagree with him though. Oh, okay. Um, 1.4 billion. This one is fascinating. For a construction of a wall on the southern U.S. border. Sound familiar? (laughs) You know what? That could be legitimate because if people are coming across the border unchecked, you cannot check if they're bringing in the virus. It's a a way of protecting yourself from diseases. Hmm. Is to protect Mm -hmm. potentially sick people from coming across the border to get into our medical care and then possibly exposing our medical professionals to the illness. Sounds vaguely familiar of another reason somebody wanted to build a wall. It Um, does. There's (laughs) some similarity there. (laughs) This one is 
a thumb right in my eye. A new law saying that violating copyright laws and unauthorized online streaming with unauthorized online streaming will become a felony punishable by five years in prison for the first offense and 10 years for repeat offenses. Now, so, my a, understanding is when you actually look at the text on that, you're, it's specific uh, in that it's targeting uh, active piracy, not individual, not supposedly a threat to fair use. But what is uh, piracy? What is the definition yeah, of piracy? That, now, you, now you're drifting into where I've got the concerns. Um, is, is this actual, is this actually something that's going to be used to, uh, prevent or fight violations of, uh, intellectual property theft, or is this going to be something that ultimately tries to get used to weaken, uh, the fair use laws, first of all. And the second, uh, concern here is, well, wait. This this could be, and I'm going to go for a really extreme, more shock value statement here. Uh, th this is like saying photocopying a book is a felony if you're doing it for the appropriate reasons. Yeah. Um, regard regardless of anything else, and the the reason I'm saying using the book example. All right, fine. You, you, there is if there if there is a illegal usage here an inappropriate usage here it's not a criminal it's a civil it should remain a civil issue just like any other form of media or publication whether it's a book a newspaper a film or audio recording you know cd recording so, um i'll tell you something scary and this could happen to me or anybody uh a service that i use to get music <clears throat> for a podcast they license out various mm -hmm. tracks as long as you pay X amount of dollars. Now, people have been getting copyright strikes against them, even though they've paid money to use these different pieces of media. And then they have to come back and prove that, yes, I paid. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did. They have to have all their ducks in a row. This, this could happen to any podcaster, any live streamer out there. Yeah, and by making it a felony, you, you're, you're also undermining uh, the presumption of innocence then. Yes, that grandma didn't know that she couldn't play, you know, uh, something online. And then what constitutes streaming? Hmm. If I'm on yeah. Facebook, is some little Facebook guy going to pop up and go, ah, ah, you're streaming to grandma. That's no, no, no. Can't be playing, you know, back in black in the background. Interesting. In theory, there's supposed to be the protection. Like I said, it's how it's targeted. Whether it's used appropriately or not now, my problem is what happens in a year or two when someone chooses to interpret things a little differently. Uh, it's part of the reason why I had so much problems with the Homeland Security Act. Uh, yeah, it might have gotten used there might have been some correct usage, but my God, the abuses. And it's one of the reasons why I would put myself into the category of an anti-federalist. I, re I remember having arguments with some of my Republican friends about the Patriot Act and saying, just because you trust the guy who's in charge right now, right now? you're putting into law something that's going to be there forever after for others to use. 
And maybe you don't want that guy to have that power. Welcome to Barack Obama. <laughs> Might not be a good idea. Um, honestly, I know very little about that part of this bill. And uh, to me, I don't know why it's included as a stimulus other than this. Everybody's going to vote for the stimulus. So if we attach it, we get it to pass. Yep. Without real floor discussion, without real in-depth discussion of the issue, I, I wonder if they've even discussed it as much as we have right here before they tied it in there and just passed it. Let's kind of alter the discussion a little bit. And this is what frustrates me is how come they, I, I guess I already know the answer. It's kind of rhetorical, but I want to just get your takes on how come when it comes to these bills, there's so much urgency behind them. Raul, let's start with you. You know, the, I think there's two answers. The the cynical, nah, I can't say cynical because both of them can be accused of cynicism. Though I'll point out that the cynic's the highest form of optimist. Um, part of it is you don't want to let a good crisis go to waste, first of all. There, there's a lot of people that look at things as opportunities, always looking for an opportunity. But what gets a lot of people drug along in it is, and this is what I had said a long time ago about uh, some of what was going on with, I guess, back last spring. Uh, Hank, you may be aware, remember something of what I've said. Uh, government, ha you know, people are depending on the government. They have to be able to be seen as doing something. Yep. It's not a matter of whether or not it works. It's they've got to be seen doing something. Yep, taking action. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why they had uh, a little bit of problem at the beginning when when uh, Trump wanted to wait. And, you know, it seemed like he was letting the states do whatever they were going to do. And that a lot of people had a problem with that because yep. they felt like that should come from a federal level. Whereas many people who are in the mindset of it sounds like both of you gentlemen and probably me as well, they don't want the federal government government meddling in state and local issues, especially when it comes to health mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, things that they should keep their nose out of. Let, let me inject this because when you ask the question, my first thought is the only reason is urgent is because the media tells you it's urgent because the media hypes it because the media pushes it. Um, those people that you just mentioned, Hank, that don't, agree with me or Raul and maybe you, uh, the media goes out and finds people. If they find somebody like us, we don't get on the air. They got to find the people that are crying about how long they've been out of work and how they can't provide for their family and how they haven't been able to pay for their rent. And then they use those people as the excuse to do something. But the something they want to do is something they're going to give to everybody. They're going to give it to everybody. Now, they passed a so-called stimulus bill the first time around and gave us this money already last year. At that time, there were people who said the way we went around doing this wasn't right because we acted so quickly, we didn't take into consideration these things that we ought to consider. One of those is basically all those issues, they didn't do anything to deal with those. They had six months to go ahead and actually honestly address and fix any of his issues to make another bill that would be better than the other. And they went with the same garbage. All they did is played political games and held everybody hostage that actually did have a need and then decided, oh, we've got to do it now. Now, now because we have to do it now, 
you just pass it without question. You don't debate what's in there. You don't take the time to fix anything. You don't do it the right way. What about sending money to everybody who's fully employed? Since the pandemic started, I'm more than fully employed because I'm working overtime. Yeah, so I'm making just, more money than I did a year ago. Me so too. you just send me a check. Uh, the Heritage Foundation, they have a cool little podcast called Heritage Explains. They just did an episode a few days ago about this stimulus bill. And on there, they mentioned that because people are staying home because of the pandemic, yet working from home, they're saving money. More people are actually paying off their credit card debt and more people are actually actually saving more money in the bank for when the pandemic is over to go do something. Why do you need a stimulus check in those conditions? Those few people that are actually out of work or being forced to stay home, those are the ones that do need the help. But is this the right way to give it to them? I would say no. Say no. And it kind of <laughs> you, you right want to give them the help that they need. Let them go back to work. Kill the yeah, kill kill the freaking <laughs> regulations. Kill yeah. the unconscious on the unconstitutional usurpation of power. And let them get back, as you said, to work. And another thing is $600. Like, if if you're really yeah. in need, I don't, you yeah. know, I, I, I'm not trying to downplay to some people $600 is a lot of money. But if you're really in desperate need, dire straits, I don't think $600 goes very far in America. No. Yep. And it depends on what you do for a living. With mm-hmm. With what I do, I have full employment plus overtime. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, his son lives in Chicago and he, he works as a server at a restaurant. Okay. So for a while he wasn't able to work at all. Then when the restaurant reopened and they're doing outdoor dining, he was working, but now his hours are being cut. Now the weather is making it so that you have very few customers. So even the few hours he works, he's probably going to get a lot less in tips than he was getting before. If he's a server in a restaurant, he's like, he's got a job. Regardless, exactly, exactly. regardless of the uh, pandemic, uh, because yeah. Illinois got this little thing that they passed called a $15 an hour minimum wage. Right. Yep, exactly. And Guess who's going to get hurt? A lot of those people. <laughs> yeah. That's a situation where he could really use some stimulus money. If we're going to throw money to help people, he's somebody that's qualified. And that's a big part that should have been in the first bill, that should have been in this bill, and they didn't do a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Is some types of mean testing, means testing on it, saying, look, if you're out of work and, okay, they said we want to give you an extra, they said you want to give, oh, yeah, I know that's true. (laughs) (laughs) They want to just throw a set of number of money extra on you for being on unemployment so that you make more on unemployment than you did working. Uh, One of my fellow board members at my church, his son has three restaurants. He said he had employees. Who wouldn't come back to work when he yep. called them to come back to work because they were getting paid more to be on the unemployment. Yes. And initially he didn't want to fire them, uh, but he reached a point where he said, look, either you come back or I fire you so you can legitimately collect the unemployment because I need the help and I got to hire somebody else and I can't keep you on unemployment. In my job, I'm a retail manager. We couldn't literally pay people to come to work. They would flat out tell you. And they would only do the interview so they could say they did an interview. Now, oh, no, I'm not taking this job. I make more money sitting at home than I would working here. Why would I do that? And, and they tell you to your face. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is this is awful. <laughs> you remember what I was talking about uh, earlier about uh, this is how I got it. I said federal management. 
of helping people, Hank. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's an example. Yes, because they they're not they're to, so big they're not able to dive down into the local and go oh well so and so turned down this job and that job and 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 things of that nature they're not able to do that. It's not efficient. It's not effective. No. When I see billions going to other stuff, then it also makes me feel like wow you could really help somebody that was truly in need mm -hmm. if you could identify who's really in need as opposed to who's just in greed as i say yeah mm -hmm. you know and what's the the saddest part about it is we actually had an, an example that proved itself effective and it was actually a bipartisan effort of bill clinton and newt gingrich yeah. 90s yeah the welfare reform it worked mm -hmm. yeah yes Yep. Tommy Thompson in Wisconsin was a big part of doing that in this uh -huh. state prior to that and was an impetus to getting that done. And Bill Clinton was the type of politician that would compromise what he wanted or what his own party might have wanted in order to get his name on something and make it look like he did something <laughs> because yep. he had a Republican Congress and he couldn't get anything done without their help. And they said, we want to do this. And he said, OK, I can go along with that because it looks like looks good on my resume. And this is after he told Hillary, basically told Hillary to shut the F up <laughs> and went back to went back to sort of his roots. And regardless of him being a, sl a slime ball. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I, I want to say this, like I was a huge Bill Clinton fan before all the slime ball activity and stuff. I, I was. I, I really thought he was uh, charismatic. I thought he did play well, appear to play nice with people across the aisle. Uh, there was just a lot I thought to like about him. He's a good politician, and he'd probably be a fun okay. guy to hang around with. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, be, wouldn't want to be linked to him by marriage. <laughs> yeah, you know, policy-wise, what he ran on was a centrist uh, blue dog Democrat. That's how he governed Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, what ha what what a lot of people don't remember is in those first two years, it was pretty much Hillary running the show. Congress got blasted in that uh, ninety four election, sure and did. and this is what I what I mean when I say Clinton Bill Clinton turned back to his roots mm -hmm. and ran as that blue dog centrist again. And yeah, like uh, Rick said, you, you actually had real compromises, uh, which is a really touchy word for me, because compromise today doesn't mean you give up some of what you want. I give up some of what I want and we find a working middle. Compromise today means how fast you move left. <laughs> and that's not compromise. That's one of the reasons why a lot of... Uh, conservatives and a lot of libertarians and a lot of classical liberals are saying no more we're not going to work with you let's uh piggyback off that real quick because another thing i want to talk about is when it comes to these bills some of the people we're voting for here are signing off on on these bills and they say they have to or they're forced to you know they're almost forced to and and all this shenanigans mm -hmm. but is it right that we hold some harmless while we put others' feet to the fire? Right? No, they should all they should all be they should all be roasted. 
<laughs> equally, right? right? I'm, seriously, like Donald Trump is no less responsible than the Democrats in Congress for this. <laughs> I agree. Uh-huh. You know, that's how I look at it. And and I unfortunately, well, I mean, were, I, oh, I voted military bill. That I voted for like, George W. Bush. Road. But but George W. Bush gave us something I don't like, which is bigger government. I'm, yes. I'm I am yep. for smaller government. Uh, just because I vote for a guy and I, and I like some things that he does doesn't mean I agree with everything he does. And uh, I'm a very small government person. But you know, uh, compromise is a funny word because I have the spiritual realm where I don't want to compromise, and then I have the political realm where I would say. To accomplish certain things, you do need to compromise, yep. but it needs to be an honest compromise, not just I move your direction and you don't change. Well uh, said. I, I had a, a conversation with a friend the other night, and he said, no matter the party, people that are doing things that are outside the will of the people need to be voted out. I now, agree. Now, but how practical is that? Well, 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 okay. What do you mean when you say by the will of the people? Because <laughs> true, <laughs> if you're if you're talking if you're talking a national majority, I'm gonna dig in and fight you tooth and nail on that <laughs> because that's a misunderstanding of the organization of the United States. I, I think uh, I think the will of the people is wouldn't it wouldn't it be more so if I'm in a county uh uh state that is certain you know people were elected and we're telling them one thing but they're doing something different contrary to what we are saying and we elected them isn't that defying the will of the people if we put you in that place you're not quite why you're not quite why i'm where i'm going and this will touch on one of my pet peeves it's not just the will of the people though at a national level it's the will of the people and the will of the 50 states. Our system is built on two groups, or actually three groups of sovereignty. It's built on state sovereignty. It's built on individual sovereignty. And this is going to sound funny because I, I hear me say this when I say that I used to be a world federalist. Uh, I actually studied under Ron Glossop, of all people. Wow. Uh, I knew Norman Cousins. Um, the idea is that those institutions loan their sovereignty. They lend their sovereignty to those organi- those levels of government above them. And yeah, I'm talking about individual being a level of government. Uh, Castle Doctrine is a law here in the state of Illinois. Uh, that ultimately goes up to the federal system. And our constitution is built around a system that recognizes both of those levels of sovereignty. So you you ha- can't discount the will of the states when you talk about the will of the people or the will of the country or the national will. It's a combination of both. It's why the 17th Amendment is such a disaster. But that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like an oxymoron because you... On one hand, you say the state is sovereign, and then on the other hand, you have federal government that's expanding at an alarming rate. That uh, that one tyrant that said you can't leave the country, states are not sovereign, has uh, pretty much helped cement the federal government as to what it is today. Even though when I was growing up, he was one of my favorite presidents, and I've been to many places he's been and read a lot of books about him, and 
I think he was right about a lot of stuff, but you know, that was one of those things where it's like the federal government was not supposed to have this power. That, when the keep in mind started. that argument was something that predates uh, Lincoln by a, a very long time as sure. well, as well though, but yep. it's which yep. side of that argument won but that his, his side won because of a war. <laughs> I heard something the other day. Was Lincoln even on the ballot? It depends on what states. Uh, there were some Southern states that did not include his name on the mm-hmm. ballot. There were actually four candidates running in 1860, and some states did not have at least one of those candidates on their ballots. This is fascinating because we, we're kind of going down the rabbit hole, which is much needed right now. Uh, sticking with the left, right, same bird kind of principle. Mm-hmm. Has this whole situation changed any of your views on the people that you voted for, your elected officials in your area? Uh, Raul, we'll start with you. Largely, no. Okay. But then again, I live in a county that has, uh, it's a Second Amendment protected county. Um, It's um, a county that has largely told Pritzker to explicative div deleted <laughs> off where uh, some of his uh, where, where some of his policies uh, and some of his uh, COVID responses are concerned. Um, I'm not the only one who does not wear a mask at Walmart, for example. Ooh. Um, there, there are, there's, there's times when I will wear one, but it's cases where, you know, so yeah, it's, has it hasn't changed a lot of those you know perceptions at a local level as well? I've got a police department that's saying no, we're not going to enforce this these un, you know unconstitutional orders. I've got a county that's said the same thing. It's one of the reasons why Prisker went to uh, the health inspectors instead of the sheriffs and the police departments. Um, Trump from, from a net federal level, I understand by background I'm a clinical scientist. Okay. Uh, Virology is not my area of expertise. Uh, it's more cardiovascular science, but I'm I'm qualified to look at this data and assess it. And if someone says, well, you're not an M- No, I'm not an MD. I'm the stupid analyst that tells the MDs what the data means. Um, he did the best he could with the information that he was given for a layman. I don't think you could do much better. He actually took uh, some of the appropriate actions like border protection to try and stem it early. Part of the problem is he was deal- he's dealing with clinical egos. I- I- I've said for some time, what one of the things that you're going to be seeing is some of these people looking for a graceful way out because the one thing, yeah, I guarantee you, they will never do is say they're wrong. So, you know, from, from a political, it-, it hasn't changed uh, my opinions on, pre- on anyone. It's, if nothing else, it's given evidence to say, see, this is what I mean. Rick? Uh, well, I would just say the fact that Donald Trump signed it is one more strike against him in my book for those things that I don't like about him. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I I can't fault him a whole ton for him, even though I don't agree with it and all that. Uh, I'm happy with my senator, Ron Johnson, for being against it <laughs> because he has been on principle. And, and he is a principled man. So I'm kind of like Raul. I live in an area. Our county sheriff it, attends my church. He's an usher there. 
he said right away that he would not spend any time doing any kind of law enforcement about masks in our county. So, uh, you know, that that's doesn't matter what the governor says. And uh, our local people here, you know, when before the governor had his mandate, there was someone who proposed to our county board that we should mandate masks. It went down 11 to 1. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I live in an area where they're they're pretty much we are not shut down like some other people are. Um, but this whole whole bill, this whole thing, it, it's it's all that pork and it's all that excuse uh-huh. to, you know, we must do something. So attach anything you want to it and it's going to get passed with it because we have to do this thing. And I'm not even sold on we have to do this thing. So you've kind of lost me entirely. Yep. Well, it is getting about time to start wrapping things up, gentlemen. But uh, uh, there's so much to this bill. I, th- I think at the uh, tail end here, we could just lightly touch on the vaccine and the hospital funding that's coming out of this bill. Uh, at the time of the writing of these articles that I've uh, read, that was $20 billion for the purchase of vaccines so they could be available at no charge. Now, we've heard various uh, medical professionals say that you need a certain amount of the population to do X, Y, and Z. Just my humble opinion, I don't think you're going to reach that level of buy-in from people if if I'm gauging the temperature of the uh, area that I'm in anyway uh, correctly. I, I would say you'd be hard-pressed to get the amount of people to take it First, you know, right, right off anyway. Uh, a lot of people have that wait and see approach and stuff, but 20 billion to, to make that portion happen. Any thoughts on the vaccine having the government make allocations for it financially? So it's free to you, but it's not, nothing in life is free per se. Rick, I'm going to start with you. Any thoughts on that portion of the bill? Um, well, sure. Having the government pay for it so it's free for me is one way to get me to get it. Because honestly, I'm not going to get in line and pay 35 bucks or 50 bucks to get it. Right. But if my employer is going to pay for it or the government's going to pay for it, I'm willing to go ahead and get it for my own selfish reasons. I already have a cruise booked to the Bahamas. Bahamas isn't letting people in right now unless you've had a COVID test recently. So if I can get a certificate that says I've been given the shot, I'm going to the <laughs> island and I can freely roam. <laughs> um, the stupid thing about it is that HR at the company I work at doesn't care uh, whether you've had the shot or not. You still have to wear a mask in the building at all times, which is just ridiculous. Um, but honestly, if the the pandemic is truly widespread enough that it's damaging the economy, then it is in the federal government's interest to help the economy by getting enough people vaccinated that you can stem the tide of the pandemic. So that would be one thing where I'd be okay with it. I understand people who don't want the vaccine for a variety of reasons, and I'm not going to argue with them that they should get it. But I think for those that want to get it, I don't have a problem with them doing it this way. Raul, any thoughts about that? Um, e- even beyond the economic, I look at it, from the moral perspective first, um, doing the right thing in, in, in this case. It is a national issue. 
And for, for something like this, I do not have both for economic and the moral reasons, the government covering, you know, the cost of the vaccine is one of the things that, I mean, it, it falls into, it, it crosses the state boundaries. It by definition falls into that federal purview. Yeah. Um, should it force or require that I would uh, probably disagree with. Um, I think, you know, it, 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 it's funny. One of the things I told my wife uh, a couple months ago uh, is, you know, j- just what I'm seeing from the data, this thing, you know, they, they, if they, when they do get a vaccine out, they're, they're talking about inoculating the entire country. It's like, wait a sec. No, no. Uh, if you're 65, 75 and older, yeah, you probably want to get that vaccine. If you're under 40, ah, really? Uh, I, 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 unless you've really got a reason, um, let nature take its course because frankly, this thing's going to evolve around it anyway. Um, if you're in that 40 to 70 range, then, you know, look at your life, look at your risks, weigh, weigh them and make an intelligent decision. Mm-hmm. And whether you're paying for it or whether it's free for you, uh, that that doesn't that doesn't change how how you should weigh that how you how you should weigh it out. Frankly, um, I noticed that that's pretty close to how the CDC guidance for who to vaccinate uh, kind of came down to as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting because um, I have a, a few different cousins that uh, work in different uh, medical areas. One's in a nursing home and everyone, she, she's gotten it already. And everyone that is employed there is being forced to get it. It's a mandatory thing from their employer. So she had asked on Facebook about it. And apparently a couple of the health systems in our area are mandating it to their employees. But I have a cousin that works for a, another health system and at theirs, it was optional and she chose not to take it. Uh, she's already had the virus herself. So really she should be last in line to worry about a vaccine anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and if it's mutating already, which they, they have said. Italian yep. study, uh, I forgot which journal back in June. I mean, that's how long ago that they've been reporting it. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you know, so now what are you up against? Are you up against the clock to get a new vaccine for the, for the. Maybe. Mutation, or maybe maybe an annual booster. We don't know yet. Yeah. So, or is, yeah, is it going to be? Is it going? Hank, we talked about this before a long time ago. Uh, I said it would either. I th- this as it stabilizes into the population, it'll either end up being with the influenza groups or with the cold groups. Uh, coronaviruses fall into both of those categories. Who knows if it, if it evolves, if it mutates fast enough, it. You, you may never be able to keep up with it on a vaccine. Uh, it very well could end up just being folded into uh, the vaccines that people get with the flu shots yep. for those who take a flu shot. Well, gentlemen, I think it is time to wrap it up, but I will open the floor up one last comment each. Uh, Rick, any final thoughts? Well, one final thought is to consider the long-term potential about the fact that we did this uh, a little tidbit that I gleaned from the Heritage uh, Foundation about this is that the debt load 
per family in America for household was already at uh, $18,000 a person or a household for the federal debt. And just doing this bill raised it to 26000 Wow. So think about that. You went yep. $8,000 more in debt on behalf of the federal government in order for them to say they did this to help everybody. And we're going to give you $600. That's a lot I, of help. I've been telling people for weeks, it's like me coming to you and taking a 20 out of your wallet and a 20 out of your kid's wallet and giving you a 10 back and telling you, you should appreciate what I gave you. <laughs> so that's my thought on it. Raul, final thoughts? You know, he, he Rick really kind of hit where I was, where I was uh, thinking on it. Um, the best way the government, federal government can stimulate the economy is get the hell out of the way. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if you call yourself a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever you call yourself, this has affected many people differently. And mm-hmm. and we're not all going to have the same stance on what was the best resolution or what should have been done. I, I know there's going to be a ton of second guessing as we go forward, you know, because hopefully at some point this will come to a head, I would assume. Then yeah. we'll we'll get back to coming and going as we please and, and stuff. I, I think ultimately, I'm sure when there were other pandemics that hit that the world said, nope, everything's going to be totally different. And then, you know, over time, things settle back into you've got to go here or you'd like to go here and you're willing to accept the risks and such. So no, I already largely come and go as I please. Some of the places I might like to go to have decided that they're going to be closed for the moment. Yeah, true. But, and that's annoying. I've lived dangerously because since the pandemic started, I went to eight states I've never been to before, traveled through 16, (laughs) stayed in seven different states and hotels. He's a super spreader. I've gone to the movie theaters to (laughs) see movies. I've gone to races with 6,000 people in attendance. Um, I really only wear a mask when the sign on the door tells me I have to wear a mask. Uh, And that's about it. Oh, what a rebel. (laughs) I see my children, grandchildren, father every week. I hug them. I kiss them. uh, I share the air. We had Thanksgiving, birthdays, Christmas, and New Year's without wearing masks, shared the same utensils to get our food out of the bowl. (laughs) I'm just really a terrible person. You're a rebel. I should be dead by now. I do want to say that in the future, uh, things will go back to quote unquote normal as far as the pandemic goes. And then you'll get to attach all this pork to the next bill in response to a hurricane or a riot or, you know, whatever other thing that someone finds as an excuse for the federal government. Or the next continuing resolution to keep the federal government open. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever it is that we must pass, we'll get more pork attached to it. Of course. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Left and Right Wing. Same bird. Rick Raul, (laughs) I thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and uh, we're going to do a lot of stuff coming up in the very near future because uh, I think it's important to get opinions out there from people who have, you know, I've been a liberal, I've been conservative, uh, you know, it's not just one perspective of just, oh man, everything so-and-so does is perfect and great and wonderful. And I think with more open minds and free thinkers giving opinions and and such, 
and not just shilling for one side or another side or one uh, group or another. I think that's going to really open the door to actual wait for it conversation. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You're welcome. always welcome. Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media.